out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Indeed, we are sometimes. Anyway, hello, this is David Eastall. This is the C86 Show. I've been working through some archives recently and um, decided I should sort them out and um, archive them. So there you go. This is um, one that I found, uh, did a few years ago with Lucy Porter, the comedian. Um, This is the interview. She was coming to Norwich. It's been and gone. Just let it go now. Um, But I thought, what the hell? I should do something with it. Anyway, this is it. David Eastall with Lucy Porter. Take it away. Do you want to just give us an idea of what this particular show is going to be about? Yes, well, it's a show that I've just been performing for a month at the Edinburgh Festival, so I know it pretty well. Uh, And it's all about, uh, basically, it's called Northern Soul because when I was a young girl, when my contemporaries were dreaming of being ballerinas or international show jumpers, my dream was to be from the north of England. So uh, basically the show is about me explaining that and uh, talking about where we come from and whether it affects what kind of person you are, really. Well, it's interesting because last month or also a couple of months ago, I, I interviewed Tony Morley the great Tony Morley, about his book, um, which was all about the North. Paul Morley. Oh, Paul, yes. Tony was a football player for Aston Villa. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I didn't recognise the name. I was like, no, I I know pundits and journalists. I don't know footballers. No, no, obviously, no. I sort of grew up sort of vaguely with an awareness of 80s football players. And I always get his name (laughs) wrong. But, yes, Paul Morley brought a book out about, you know, Northern identity. Yes, which I... Have read. I know. Well, I, me too, because I was quite in, um, in, well intrigued with it because coming, coming from sort of the east and the south, and and this idea of um, identity was quite interesting because obviously there's a lot of my, I suppose your so-called heroes, people like the Smiths and also various other comedians and artists come from the north. And often we in the East, and this is a bit of a Sweden statement, but I like Sweden statements, we, we <laughs> were a sort of a cultural desert for a long time, the East. Um, and sort of, and this idea of you know what makes a northern person, what makes a southern person, or what makes a person from the East. And did you sort of, because you're from Surrey, aren't you? I, I Well, yes, Croydon, which, uh, so technically London, I suppose, but Uh, well Croydon itself is interesting because it used to be in Surrey is now in London so it has its own identity crisis but yeah I I grew up in the south but I always felt I mean I always felt the only identity in Britain really was northern that was the only thing you could be that was interesting or worthwhile that everything else kind of seemed a bit sort of pale and bland in comparison so I mean it's I think since I've started traveling I've realized of course there you know areas do have their own characteristics and uh, and character and because I, I think there is a sort of east-west kind of thing in Britain as well. There's, you know, actually we do all have quite strong regional identities. It's just that, you know, the northern one seems to be the most uh, commonly explored, really. Because, I mean, no one writes books about being a southerner or an easterner or a, a westerner. You know, it's, um, it is all about sort of north versus south and uh, and the north always wins, really. Well, it was, it was interesting because for a long time, and I'm talking decades, and this is the 70s and 80s, Norwich had this um, identity that, you know, you, if you came to Norwich, you would lose your ambition because nothing ever happened in this area. And I think a lot of people enjoyed I mean, a lot of people came to university here from elsewhere in the country. And even though they really liked it and a lot of people stayed, there was this kind of a bit of an embarrassment, even from people who came here and stayed, other than the people who actually were born and lived around here. They, you know, because cause you, you know, like with the North, they're you know, phenomenal, you know, anything from the Beatles to the Smiths, etc, etc. Yeah, exactly. Groovy Manchester and Liverpool. Groovy. And- it was 
was all very grim. Whereas, yeah, Norwich, you've got uh, Sale of the Century for many years. We, well, we had that. The and, most famous thing to come out of Norwich. And then, then we had this great band called the Farmers Boys, and they were, you know, to be honest, they weren't that great. And, um, well, like, they did do a very good cover version of Down in the Country, which well, I remember enjoying very much. It, it was, yes, it was a cover version of a Cliff song. And yeah. um, so it was more of a novelty than sort of wanting to have, you know, like with Morrissey, you know, one would happily tattoo his lyrics over you know, one's body because they were so profound yeah. and, yeah. and we wanted to be Morrissey, whereas I never really felt the same with the Farmer's Boys. I, <laughs> I wanted to tattoo down in the country across my chest or something like that. Um, well, and of course, now there's Alan Partridge. It does seem like... The, the, I suppose the good thing about Norwich and Norfolk is that there is... Uh, you know, some places take themselves very seriously. Like that is, I would say, the issue I take with Manchester is that it sort of it thinks it's all that because I lived there for many years and uh, people are, you know, justly, rightly proud of, um, of of what's come out of Manchester. But I think there is there's something lovely about. I mean, I always say Norwich is in my it, it, in my top three. It's Norwich, Bristol, and Hull for me are the three best places to do comedy in the country. And I think that is because maybe because of, of sort of not really having a kind of uh, you know a great sense of of identity in in terms of culture and having things like you know Alan Partridge and having the fun having fun poked occasionally I think that it means that you know people people in Norfolk don't take themselves too seriously which is a very very good quality I think well it's interesting you mentioned Hull actually because Hull doesn't really have much on the sort of again a bit like Norwich we didn't have a lot of kind of I suppose cultural stars for want of a better word and I think the only person from Hull that I know is is the guy that, who was the guitarist with uh, David Bowie in the Ziggy um, Ziggy the Ziggy period you know Mick Ronson so again, oh, yeah. so they must also have a sense of like actually we have got no home. well the House Martins of course oh the uh, House Martins the pride they... the pride of Hull everything but the girl were formed in Hull even though they they weren't actually from there yes yeah, so um, I, I read her book as well actually about her university time. Oh she's amazing isn't she? She's it, brilliant. It was very good. So look recently I um, I grew up on the on the comedy front the, the two comedians that I absolutely love were Richard Pryor and Lenny Bruce and, yeah. and there was a very interesting documentary about Richard Pryor recently in a live concert and, and it was quite interesting because I suddenly remembered all this from the 80s um, you know with comedy how do you because m- most of these people are tortured and they're going to end up it's not going to end <laughs> well is it <laughs> and so you've gone into a career that obviously probably pushes your, your sort of sensibility and, and um, to the edge really well, I mean, I, you know, you are very unlikely to find me setting fire to myself, freebasing cocaine. I would, I would imagine, unless my life takes a radically different turn, uh, I am, I'm not going to go the route of Richard Pryor. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I am. Um, uh, it's interesting. People always say, "Oh, you know, comedy it attracts depressives and alcoholics." Um, I'm never sure whether it's sort of chicken and egg situation, whether doing comedy actually makes you quite depressed because you make other people laugh for a living and you cease to see the funny side of life. But uh, luckily, so far, I seem to be managing remarkably well. But I think, you know, everyone has a sort of dark hinterland. But, um, you know, most most comedians, I think, I think you're right, I think some of the most brilliant comedians are the most troubled. I think that in order to be, well, in almost all forms of art, I think, you know, it's the tortured souls who really produce the best work. But, yeah. um, you know, the rest of us just have to sort of do the best we can without, uh, you know, I, I think I'd rather have a happy life and slightly more mediocre art. 
than, than, free you know, ba- than setting yourself on fire and free basing. Free I mean, but you know, I say that maybe <laughs> <laughs> if I've got a free weekend coming up, I'll try it and see yeah. how I get on. See how it works. Yes, because it was interesting recently because I I'd sort of listened to Richard Heron's podcast because he's obsessed about his daily podcast, isn't he? Yes. And um, and recently he did his uh, a show which he came to Norwich to do, which was Talking Cock. And then in Edinburgh at the Fringe, he did Death, didn't he? And I was amazed, yes. kind of listening to his daily podcast that he was having. Like, I was thinking, God, you haven't got long to write your new show. And, no. and it was interesting, the process that he went through. I mean, did you, with this particular show, was that also something you had to think, oh, my God, I've got a month now. I must really yep. get down and write this. Yep. And another thing that all comedians have in common, as well as being slightly, uh, you know, maudlin, we, uh, yeah, deadline skimmers, most of us, I would say. So, yeah, I mean, I was really down to the wire with uh, with this show because I mean the thing about comedy is you don't really want to a you don't want to prepare it too far in advance because your idea about what's funny changes also you know uh, what's happening in the news changes and just I don't know I think attitude shift like a show that I was doing sort of 10 years ago I, I wouldn't dream of doing the same stuff now really even though it's not it wasn't necessarily very topical material or anything it's just that you know sensibilities and sense of humour change a bit but this is all basically me trying to uh, justify the fact that I never write my Edinburgh show <laughs> until about the, the you know couple of weeks before yeah. but then what I do is I I kind of tend to write it on the road as well so I will have an idea for the show sort of decide on a theme or a concept and then I just take it on the road and sort of I write in the afternoon and then I go on stage that night and try out the bits that I've written and then go back, you know, and it's it's what I love about it is the immediacy of it. It's not like, you know, writing a book or something for TV or radio where you have to write it and then wait for, you know, someone to publish it or broadcast it and then you wait for audience approval. It is, you know, you can write it and then do it and and you know whether it's funny or not. Well, it's interesting because in the old days, and we are supposed to talking about the 50s and that period, where comedians would have kind of one gag and kind of one sketch and that was their career. Whereas now we demand, (laughs) being punters, kind of new stuff all the time. And, uh, you know, like poor old Eddie Izzard kind of got, was getting sued by his own fan because he had sort of, they said, no, that's not new material. We were going to sue you, which I think is a bit cool. Kay got, you know, um, pilloried for basically doing the same stuff on two DVDs. And I mean, but yeah, that's the, you know, the the nature, particularly now of like, if people come to your gigs, sometimes people film gigs and put them up on YouTube, which is deadly because then you're like, oh God, that, that material is now out there. Yes. And, you know, it can be sort of quite fresh. So yeah, you do. I mean, I think it's good as a comedian, it's good for you to be sort of constantly having to come up with new stuff. I mean, you know, I, I tend to write one show a year and then tour it but then I'm always kind of coming up with new ideas so I think it's good because it it, it keeps you sort of creatively fresh I mean I think it must be really hard it must have been really hard for acts in the olden days to just go around doing the same shtick all the time absolutely yeah Yeah, so with obviously I mentioned Richard Heron he he gets his you know theme and then and is this going to be very similar as well your Northern Soul um, show to the Edinburgh show, you mean? Yeah, well, also, you know, the theme, you know, did you sort of get the title? I'm going to talk about... Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Well, mine basically came out of 
two things. Firstly, uh, there was a, well an incident that happened, which I talk about in the show, where I was criticised uh, by the mayor of Derby because I'd said some quite mean things about Derby, um, who accused me of being a London snob. So that was one of the things that incited the show because I, I was so upset about being called a London snob. And then also, um, it's based on a story about my dad that I uh, discovered this year, which is about identity and about whether you can ever get away from from where you come from and your roots. So those were the two things that inspired the show. And then from those two kind of core elements, then I sort of built the rest of it around it, really. And when when your dad saw the show, was he... Oh, he hasn't. My dad will never come and see me perform. (laughs) (laughs) For all our sakes, we made a decision long ago that my family were not going to come and see me me work. So uh, it's it's much the best way. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Do they have a peek of it on DVD, though? Do they go? Oh. I don't think so. I mean, they've seen me on television, but no. um, you know, I, I don't. I don't talk about them at such lengths. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's interesting because my. I think actually, this show they could come and see because I used to, uh, you know, swear a bit. I mean, I think coming up in the comedy clubs, you know, it's quite a sort of raucous environment. So, you know, my shows used to be a bit sort of risque, and there was swearing in them. Whereas I don't know, the older I've got, I think things. Have, I just realised, not by design, completely by accident, that I don't really swear. At all in this show and it's all very it's it's sort of the most tame show that I've done in in terms of content but um hopefully yes. hopefully the funniest I've done as well. And did you um and was the Edinburgh Festival uh, the fringe was that was that a success this year? Oh it was it was so lovely. I I I you know I've been going for 22 years so obviously I love it and uh, the last couple of years I've been playing at a comedy club called The Stand which is it's that turns out to be my spiritual home. I've uh, just right. like just because it's it's lovely. So yeah, I I kind of I'm very lucky. I sort of go up there and I've got a good following because I've been going for so many years. So I always get a nice crowd and you know it's it, it's just a lovely way for me to you know work up a new show and then I can take it on tour. And do you actually get to think you know because obviously you must have got a whole sort of little gang of you who've been on the circuit for quite a few decades now. Do you all go and see oh. each other's show and sort of go oh hi and enjoy yeah. it? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it is, it's like a, a, a social event as much as uh, a work event for me because obviously it is nice to be in the same city as lots of your friends and contemporaries and uh, and colleagues. So, yeah, it's, it is nice. And, you know, like, uh, so every day in Edinburgh I was seeing Simon Munnery because he was on doing his show before me and then Sarah Millican was on doing her show afterwards. So, you know, that was nice. It was like having proper work colleagues because you'd sort of have a chat every day and talk about how it's going. Yeah. And, you know, it was like being back in an office in a way. Oh. Which, uh, it's one of the things I miss actually in stand-up is you do, you do miss that kind of constant camaraderie of your co-workers because of you know most of the time you're on the road, you don't really see other comedians regularly. You know, you're just kind of a bit of a one-man band. So sure. it's, uh, I'm painting well, a very lonely. But this is why we all turn to freebasing cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. It all, all ends in tears. But look, Lucy, thanks so much for the interview. And good luck for your You obviously know your comedy, so it's always a pleasure to, uh, you know, talk to someone <laughs> yes. who knows what they're talking about. It's nice. I'll come and see the show, which is Oh, great. lovely. I'll come and say hello. That'd be great. All right. Take care. Bye. Right, cheers. Take care. Bye. And that was me in conversation with Lucy Porter a few years ago. She was coming to Norwich, probably the Playhouse. That's just a guess. Anyway, thank you for listening. If you still are, I don't blame you if you're not. Anyway, if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just go to 
C86 show and um, God knows why you'd want to say hi, but you might do. And um, that would be nice. And also these shows have been archived. C86 show again. And you can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. We love that one. And Mixcloud. Anyway, have a great week.